We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. For our context this morning, let's go ahead and read that uh, 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 again, kind of to set, set the stage. Psalm 130 says this, Out of the depths I cry to You, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let Your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If You, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with You there is forgiveness that You may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His Word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with Him is plentiful redemption. And He will redeem Israel from all of their iniquities. As Zane and Caroline shared uh, what we just watched, Psalm 130 uh, is the waiting passage. Zane has called it the hope passage. We see both of those themes there. But it is one of those psalms that if we ever find ourselves in the pit, in the miry clay, in a season of life that is incredibly difficult and hard, and I bet every single one of us could testify to being in a season like that. If we had a microphone and I said, it's open mic time, everybody would just kind of line up and everybody would share the season, the pit, whatever that time and place was in your life. It could have been cancer, could have been the loss of a loved one, could have been the loss of a job, whatever that difficulty was. We all can resonate with this passage. But I want to, before we move on, I want us to catch what the writer of this psalm is saying and where he is writing from. Okay, because it's it's easy in our minds to go, oh, I resonate with that because I'm going through this particular situation. But I, I think the writer of Psalm 130, honestly, is writing beyond just a difficult circumstance. It's beyond just a, a challenging season that he's going through, right? What does he say? Say, say here, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my what? To my pleas for mercy. Right? I believe, church, that this psalm, this song is first and foremost a song of confession. It's a confession of sin. He is recognizing, He is stating, hey God, before I come to You, before I I, I cry out to You about my circumstance, I want You to know about who I am and where I stand. Positionally, where I'm crying out from. He's He's calling out from the depths. Hear my pleas for mercy. Right? We think, think about this idea 
of mercy, right? Mercy, of course, right? Grace is getting what we don't deserve, right? Mercy is not getting what we do deserve, right? The punishment is being withheld from us. And so the writer of this Psalms is saying, out of the depths I cry to you, my pleas for, please hear my pleas for mercy. He is admitting guilt. He is stating right out of the gate, I know who I am before a perfect and holy God. And I need your mercy in my life. I know who I am, God, and I need you. So church, in these first two verses, the writer of this psalm is declaring three things. You are the God who sees me. You are the God who hears me. And you are the merciful God who can deliver me. Right out of the gate. He's saying, before I come to you with anything with anything else, I want to recognize who you are and who I am. And in light of your mercy and your grace, I desperately need you. Let's look at verse 3. This is one of those verses, I don't know about you, but when you read it, it just squares you right, right in the face. Okay, it says this. Look at, look at, look at verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Some translations say, if you kept a record of wrongs. Essentially, if you kept a record of sins. God, if you recorded every sin, every mistake, every time that I fell, fell short, who could stand in your presence? Just think about that for a second. If Jesus kept a record of your sins, your shortcomings, in the last 24 hours, forget your life, but in the last day, maybe for some of you the last three hours, right? Oh Lord, who could stand? Again, He's recognizing the perfection of a holy God and be beyond Your merciful hand in my life. I can't even stand physically in Your presence. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4 says, Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in His holy place? Right, this whole idea of marking inequities. If you kept a record of wrongs. Um, in elementary school, uh, I had a teacher, and some of you can relate lately to, to this, but she had a system. It's not like the system now. Um, Ava and a couple of my girls when they were younger, I think this past year was still the case. All the kids would have the, their names up on the board, and then there was colors. And depending on your behavior for, for the day, which I don't agree, what, yeah, fine. You were either marked up or marked down. Like, depending on, like, you know, like, hey, Charlie, great job. And you get, like, one notch up. Or, like, Ava, seriously, right? You come back down. Well, in elementary school, we didn't have the color chart or, like, little tags or pin clips or whatever it was. She just, she just had chalk, right? Some of you are like, what's chalk, kids? Um, we, parents will tell you about that. So anyway, uh, there was a board and my teacher would, you know, the day would go on and she would give this look 
and I know it's hard to believe that I may have had a troubled streak in school, whether being loud or obnoxious, but um, she would give you the, this look, and she would, there were, again, there was no chart. It was like, Paul? And she would go up to the board and she would write your, your name. If she wrote your name on the board, that was strike one. And then it followed with a little X next to your name, and that was strike two. And you didn't want strike three. Never experienced strike three. I experienced a lot. Okay, so uh, a lot of strike three, but it was like one of these, like, and she would some sometimes like, Paul, you know, she would slowly walk over to the board, like, it's first night, you know, whatever. You, you didn't want the marks. You didn't want your name on, on the board, but it was like this heaviness of like, here she goes, and she's keeping a record of my behavior. I know that's a silly, simple illustration, but that, if you are in Christ, positionally, if you have surrendered your life to Him, that is not what our God does. Some of you need to hear this. I needed to hear this this week. This is not what our God does. He's not up there with His heavenly chalkboard going, why doesn't He learn, right? Mark 45, whatever it is. God, God, God's not up there. What does God's Word say? What does God's Word say? Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has a clean hands and what? Clean hands and a pure heart. How can someone have clean hands and a pure heart before a holy God? How does that happen? Through Jesus and Jesus alone, right? Confessing our sins, coming before Him, surrendering Him, taking on the righteousness of Christ. That is the only way that you and I have clean hands and a pure heart. So this is what the psalmist is saying. I confess I'm coming before Holy God and the only way that I can stand in Your presence, what does He say here? But with You, there is forgiveness. Right? With You, there is forgiveness. We see again in Jeremiah 31-34, just a couple other Verses we see where God, what what does God do when we are in Christ? What does He do with our sin? What what, what does He do with our sin? Jeremiah thirty one thirty four. He says He remembers their sins no more. It's not like He just forgets about them. It's like I see you. I'm going to ignore that. When we are robed in the righteousness of Christ, what happens? Church. He remembers our sins no more. He sees Christ's perfection and not our faultiness. Psalm 103. I love this, and some, some of you know this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. When we are in Christ, He sees he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Church, it is only when we have peace with God that we can make any sense of difficult situations. 
as Zane shared in the video, and Beck and I have said this so many times, if we have experienced personally our pits, the valley, the challenging situation, so many times we have said, those without Christ, I don't know how they do it. Those without a church family, I don't know how they do it. Praise God we are in Christ. Praise God that we have a church family that when difficult situations come, we don't have to walk it alone. Hand in hand, arm in arm, we get to walk with believers. Only when one has peace with God can he make sense of difficult and challenging situations. Let's look at verse 5. Take your eyes to verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His Word, I put my hope. Waiting on the Lord, as Zane shared, and hoping in His Word. Two phrases, two disciplines in Scripture that are intimately intertwined. Right? We see this again and then again and again. I wait on the Lord and I hope in His Word. I think there's something for you and I to learn here about what it means to hope in the Lord. Right? And uh, some of you, if you were like um, OG gathering, you guys know what OG means? I learned this from my kids, right? But if you were part of the original group several years back, Mike did a series called The Waiting Room. And we're gonna, we, we don't have time this morning to unpack the whole thing about what it means to wait on the Lord. But brief, briefly, let's state what waiting on the Lord is and what waiting on the Lord not, does not mean. Okay? So, uh, waiting on the Lord does not mean uh, spiritual idleness. Right? Lacquered in biblical terms and analogies. Right? Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean like you want hey, I, the Lord said He's going to show up and I'm just going to sit here in my recliner, maybe gripe and complain, but I'm just going to wait until He shows up in my life, until He comes through and does what I want Him to do. That's not what waiting on the Lord is, or what waiting on the Lord means. It's not spiritual idleness. We're not called to wallow and sit around and hope that God sees us, hope that He hears us, and hope that He answers us. Church, the Word of God says that He does see us, He does hear us, and He will answer us. So let's put aside the hope of maybe He will show up knowing that He will show up. Knowing that He will be faithful to His Word. As believers... Waiting involves meditating on God's Word. Clinging to the promises that He has already made regarding our circumstances. Trusting that He is good and He will be faithful to His Word. Let's talk about prayer for just a second. Um, Lord's really so. I, I have my I have my drive to work every day, uh, and one of the things that I've been trying to do, rather than I mean, podcasts are great, books online. Sometimes I make calls to people to catch up. You know, it's a good thirty-five minutes, and it's it's good, 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 good time. 
But the Lord has really challenged me. You know, this would be a great time, Paul, if you just talk to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> it's good. Good good time to just sit and talk to the Lord. And I pray other times, but the Lord really say, this is just me and you. There's no one else here. Right? This is undistracted time. And I was reminded a few weeks back, my my pastor friend, I was a young youth pa- pastor right out of, of college. And he and his wife started... Uh, a movement called uh, Worship and the Word. And he challenged me. We're having coffee one one day. We were talking about our prayer life and the disciplines of prayer and incorporating the Word in our prayer life. And he said, Paul, and you may think this isn't like a revolutionary idea. To me at the time it was. He said, Paul, have you ever ever thought, thought, thought about praying the Word? And I said, what, what, what do you mean by, by that? Like, it wasn't a hard question, but I was like, what do you, do you, it's getting weird or whatever. And he's like, no. He just said, oftentimes when we're in seasons that are challenging and difficult, Scripture says that we don't even know what to pray anymore, right? The, the Spirit intercedes on our behalf, but there's just times where we're just like, I, I just don't, I just don't know what to, I just don't know what to say. Not only when you're, you don't know what to, to say, but what about clinging to the promises of God, praying God's words and His promises back to Him? And I tell you what, guys, that revolutionized my prayer life. Instead of me just coming up with like spiritual cliches and trying to sound right <laughs> before Him, I just began to pray His word back to Him. Because it's His word. Does that make, make, make sense? I'm getting a little bit like stares, like I'm not sure. So when you, when you get, when you get to the word, right? Let me just start. Lord, I want to thank you that you do not mark iniquities. I want to thank you, Lord, that you, with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Lord, I pray that you would help my soul to wait. Lord, I do hope in Your Word. And I want to be like one of those watchmen on the, 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 the wall. You see how we're just praying God's Word, His promises back to, to Him. He loves to hear His Word. He loves to know that we are meditating on His Word. Quick three, three things that happen when we pray His Word. When we cling to His promises and pray His Word right back, back, back to Him. The first one is, Pretty straightforward word. We are affirming and confessing to the Lord that we believe what His Word says. If we're praying His Word, if we're clinging to it, we're just saying, God, we believe this. We believe this enough to throw it right back at You and say, I am clinging to this. This is who You say You are. This is what You say You're going to do. And so I cling to that. And that is my prayer. Right. The second thing, is we don't mix in, and this is where it gets a little, we don't mix in our agenda and our motives with the truth of God's Word. Sometimes in our prayer lives, we can get a little, you know, that, that felt a little, a lot of me and not much of God. Right? Or like, what I want, God. Do what I want. Do Fulfill my de- desi- desires. My timeline. But when we pray His Word, we're taking out 
all of us and we're replacing it with the truth of what He says about Himself and about, about, about us and how He's going to come through. And the third thing, when we pray His Word, we are praying His will. We're praying His will. And ultimately, that prayer is, Lord, not my will, but Your will. Right? When I, when I cling to Your promises, I'm putting aside my agenda, my thoughts, what I want to be done, and I surrender it all to You. Let's quickly look at verse 6 as we kind of wrap up our, our time here this morning. I love the imagery of verse 6. Would you read it again here? My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Zane didn't get into this a ton as he shared, but we all, I, I don't, have you guys ever studied this verse historically, right? And if you've seen any medieval film, uh, anything at all, historically in ancient times, and really up until like the 1700s, cities uh, were built kind of like fortresses, right? You had these massive tall walls, and the walls were not only to keep your people in, right? Power trip. <laughs> but also to keep the enemy out, right? And these, these walls were thick, and they were high, and they would put watchmen on top of these walls. And the watchman's job was to protect, was to stay alert, was to watch what was going on both outside and inside to keep the peace. Now, I don't know how many of you have a shift in your work that you just don't like. Right? Some of you may have worked the graveyard shift, the night shift, whatever. Um, for a watchman, there was one shift that you didn't want. It was the night shift. Okay? Imagine being a watchman on the, the, the wall. right? And this wasn't like New York, Chicago, Mainville. right? This wasn't like, like street lights all, all, all around. And like, yeah, it's night, but like, it's lively. You know, it's great. There was nothing out there. Particularly in biblical times, you would have city and then like 30 miles city and then maybe like sheep over there, but there was like nothing. And so you can imagine being a watchman, the night, night, night shift on the wall and you're looking out and your job is to stay alert, engaged, and awake. Uh, we took a trip to Poland a couple weeks back, and Becca and I, we knew it was going to be bad. We didn't know it was going to be this bad. But we flew out of Chicago, and we knew that flying back into Chicago and then having to drive home, it was going to be tough. Didn't know how tough it was going to be until we flew in. It was like 5 p.m. Chicago time, great. But that was midnight according to our bodies. And we had a five-hour drive home. Church, I have never felt more tired in my life. And it was one of these where you're like just, I mean, you're slapping your face. you got the AC cranked. You've been there, right? You're trying to do everything. Coffee's not working. Everything to stay alert. The whole family is dead. So there's nobody, you know, like, hey, Dad, hey, Dad. There's like nothing. It's just me back. Back is asleep. Bless her heart. She's there. And we, 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 we took, took turns. 
It was one of those like, I just need to get home, please. And I'm just trying to keep my eyeballs open. The watchman is on the wall and his job is to not just stay awake, but to be ready and alert and prepared if anybody were to attack. What's the one thing that the watchman yearns more than anything else? Dawn. He sees that sun come over the horizon. And he's like, let's go! It's home! I get to go home, right? I get to go home and sleep. I made it. One more night. I get to rest. I did my job. But he was engaged and alert and awake that whole time. He yearned more than anything else for the dawn. I think that's what the psalmist is saying here. I wait for the Lord like that watchman that yearns for the morning to come. Lord, help me as I sit and meditate on Your Word that I would yearn for Your presence that I would yearn for Your truth more than anything else. With this same eagerness and expectancy, we should also have in prayer as we wait on the Lord and in His Word. Not that like, man, I hope He shows up or I hope He does fulfill, but knowing that He will. But it's according to His timetable and not mine. It's according to His will and not mine. So it's not a question of if, church. It's a question of when. Because He is faithful. He is good. Expect Him to come through. Church, it is a joyful thing to spend time with the Lord in His Word waiting expectantly for His perfect timing to burst forth. Uh, I sent... I sent this verse to Zane and Caroline a little over a week ago. And uh, Zane just he appreciated the timing, which the Lord uh, uh, does that. It's going to be up, up here on, on, on the screen. Hosea 6.3 Listen to the, the, these words. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Why I love that verse is because as we cling to the promises that the Lord will come, what does He say before that? Let us press on to know the Lord. Church, in your waiting room, whatever place you find yourself, again, it's not just waiting on the Lord, but it's this active pursuit of I want to know Christ even in the pit. Even in my suffering, even in this challenging situation, I am called to know Christ, to pursue Him, to understand His heart. We may never understand why He allows us to go through these things, but the call is to know Him, to pursue Him, to rest in Him. 
I want to just share one last verse with you. This is Hebrews 11, verse 1. Zane referenced this. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Church, I hope you're encouraged this morning by Zane and Caroline. I hope you're encouraged by the word. But know that Zane and Caroline specifically, they have faith and they are sure of the hope that they have. And they may not know or see what is coming down the road, but they are certain that Jesus will be glorified. And I think that's what, what for faith and hope intersect, is we can have faith and cling to the promises of God. And we may not know what t- tomorrow may, may bring, but we are certain that He's in control, that He's got it, that it's going to be for our good, for our benefit, and ultimately Jesus will be glorified. I want to end with a, a quote um, author by the name of uh, Lisa Turkhurst. Uh, she recently posted, and I, I just love this, on hope and trusting in the Lord. It's so good. She, she says this. She says, The longer that I walk with the Lord, the more I'm seeing that we don't have to know the plan to trust that there is a plan. We don't have to feel good to trust that good is coming. And we don't have to see evidence of change to trust that it won't always be this hard. As we wait in His Word and as we are filled with hope, we can be certain that God will fulfill His promises to us. Josh, would you come on up up here? Church, will you stand? As the worship team begins to uh, close out our our time this morning, I just want to pause again. And uh, obviously the Hartzell family has come to the forefront of our church. But obviously we know that there are so many more challenging situations that are going on. Some are known, some are not known. Um, Some of you may be walking really quietly around with storms. And you just don't know who, who, who to tell, who to share that, that with. Uh, we want you to know that's what the body of Christ is for. You're not called to carry those burdens alone. And so if you're here today and um, you're, you're, just, you're in need of prayer, I, I would just encourage you not to leave this room today without seeking out a brother or a sister. Just, you don't need to give the details. Some, some, sometimes we like, well, I don't want to share all the stuff. 
Sometimes it's just a, hey, I am going through a really difficult situation. I'm not comfortable, but whatever. Would you, would you just pray for me? I would hate for you to leave here carrying that burden by yourself. So as the word worship team plays, as we close, close, close out our time, uh, encourage you, implore you not to leave here today with that burden, that request, or whatever that might be, but that you would seek someone out. So would you just pray for me? The chairs can wait. Let's, let's meet the needs of those around us. Take time to bask in the presence of, of, of the Lord. So Lord, we we do love you today. And as we, as we close out our morning, morning, I do pray. I do pray for anyone that is quietly and silently walking through a storm. Ultimately, Lord, we don't we don't need to know for you to do a work. It does help to not walk in these situations alone. So I, I pray. Pray for, for anyone here. First and foremost, that does not know you, that does not have hope. That they would come to you, that they would surrender their life to you, that they would confess their sins to you. That they would experience the hope and life that you offer. And Lord, for those that may be here that, that know you but are are walking through a storm. I pray that they would find a brother or a sister and uh, they would seek out that prayer, that come, come comfort that only comes in the, the body of believers. We, we love you today, Lord. It's in your name that we pray all of these things. Amen.